It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham. Your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. We are back following another ugly Jets loss. This time, the first of two matchups against the Bills. This was the Jets' home game. They lose 17-45. to Another really ugly one. Defense couldn't do anything. We were really excited for Mike White going in just to see if he maybe had what it would take to continue the hot streak he was on. He didn't. He threw four interceptions, no touchdowns. The yardage is there, but it was a really ugly performance from him. The Jets fall to 2-7. and seven. We are out of the playoff hunt completely. We're looking at like the third overall draft pick. People are going to be talking about draft picks very soon, mock drafts, and who the Jets could go after. Should they be looking for a quarterback? Should they be firing their head coach? All that crazy stuff is about to be coming because they're 2-7. and seven. The good news is there's an easier schedule upcoming, and hopefully the Jets can pick off some of the weaker teams even though most of these teams are probably as bad or better than the Jets. But if they can pick off a few of them, some easier games coming up, it would help the fan base, it would help the media, it would help the uh, you know the negativity around the Jets. Because at this point, if Zach Wilson's not going to be replaced, which I don't think he should be after just one year, you don't need the first or second overall pick because you're not going for a quarterback. In my opinion, you're better off just winning games, evaluating people, getting better, and you know, using your young the Jets have the youngest team in the league. So if they're beating the Texans, the Eagles, the Dolphins, it's a good thing. It's not a bunch of veterans who are winning it for them. It's a bunch of young guys who are trying to earn a place in this league. And if they can win some games, then they're doing it. So lots to get to in this one. We're going to do our usual setup. We're going to recap the game. Got to talk Zach Wilson versus Mike White because there's kind of a still kind of a controversy there. 
Got to talk about Robert Sala, some of the injuries on the team. Jets made some transactions. We're going to go over those. We're going to preview the Dolphins game upcoming. Bunch of other fun stuff. But before we begin, I need to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It is under the Gang Green Nation podcast title. A series title is This is the Jet Life. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. So starting with the game, I mean, they lose 17 to 45, but they were down, I think it was 10 to 38. Um, this was really, really an ugly game. Mike White throws four interceptions. He's like 50% passing. His quarterback rating is a 33. So everything you hope to see from Mike White, it wasn't there. He was throwing short, and every single time he th- tried to throw deep, it was ugly. They were like catching punts down there. So the Bills have the best defense in the league, definitely the best pass defense in the league. We knew it would be difficult on Mike White, but you were hoping to see a little bit more, maybe a little bit of that hot streak could continue. At least the two, you know, two interceptions and two touchdowns would be a modest performance maybe against this team, but it was just flat-out ugly. And by the end of the game, they're playing Joe Flacco, who throws a perfect 158.3 quarterback rating, a touchdown, and only comes out for three pass attempts. But defensively, that's the real issue for the Jets. They are getting absolutely pummeled defensively. Their last few games, Patriots, Colts, Bengals, Bills, all over 30 points. The Jets are in a historic trend right now of just not being able to stop anybody. And we know that they are playing a bunch of youngsters. And the veterans they would have on defense, guys like Vinnie Curry, Carl Lawson, Marcus May, these guys aren't there. And they're some of the most impactful win-now players. The people that are on the field, they're more developmental players, trying to figure it out, learn the game speed, learn the game scripts and all that. So it's difficult for the team. The replacements that we have for those guys, they don't compare. This is not a deep enough team, specifically on defense. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, it's gotten the least amount of attention. And like I said, the players they brought in, most of them did get injured and aren't even impacting the Jets right now. So it's a lot of youngsters, a lot of growing pains. And it brings me to Robert Sala because a lot of people right now are, not a lot of people, but there are some people that actually think that Robert Sala may potentially be on the quote-unquote hot seat. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Robert Sala was the number one candidate for me going into last year's head coaching vacancy. The Jets got him. This guy is everything that you're looking for in a head coach, right? Whether the defense is struggling or the offense is struggling. I mean, how many times have we had a coach and said, well, we don't need a coordinator there. We need a head coach and then have good coordinators. We need a guy who's a leader of the team and doesn't focus on one side of the ball. Robert Sala isn't entirely focused on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, he has some say in it. Yes, he's got his defensive guy, Jeff Albrecht, who's there. He's trying to work with him. It's still a Robert Sala-style defense and everything. But he isn't focused on the defense entirely. He's focused on the team, and that's what we need. He's a leader, a leader of men. The people respect him. And while the Jets are getting absolutely shellacked week after week right now, we're in a very weird spot with our team. And it's the first year of this coaching staff, this regime, the quarterback. It's going to get better. He keeps saying it. It's hard to believe when you don't see the product on the field. But as the schedule weakens as the season goes on, the Jets pick off a few of those weaker teams, boost their record a little bit, maybe get Zach Wilson looking good before the season's over. We have a nice draft next year. We go into it with a bunch of, you know, we were the youngest team in the league this year. All those players, one-year experience in there, young, fast, cheap players, enough money to go financially after some free agents. There's a lot of good stuff that's in the work. But right now for Robert Sala, this is a difficult unit to be coaching. You're playing Mike White, for crying out loud. Yes, Mike White now has a big name because of the performances that he's had, but it's still Mike White. This is a guy that we were watching play against James Morgan in preseason saying, holy shit, we need a backup quarterback. Bad. We don't have one on the roster. That's the guy that's playing right now. Against the Buffalo Bills, who are one of the best teams in the entire league, it's a struggle. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look pretty. But there are brighter days ahead. 
So I am perfectly fine with Robert Sala. I am 100% confident in him. And out of every single person within the organization, if there's like one person out of Joe Douglas, Zach Wilson, anybody you can think of on the team really that I would want to hold on to, it would be Robert Sala. Robert Sala to me is the guy who's going to lead the Jets there. It's just going to take some time with this roster. So that's what I got there. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about the the specific positions of the Jets moving forward in the podcast, as we always do, offense, defense, special teams. we got the stars of the game there and everything. But uh, we don't need to really hash this one out too much. The Jets got walloped. They made some costly mistakes. Corey Davis fumbled the ball right before the half, and the Jets would have been set up for a field goal try to at least make it a little bit closer. You know, early in the game, the Jets kind of were in it, kind of hanging around just enough, making too many mistakes, of course. And then the second half came. The Bills just rolled. They scored. They scored. And the Jets got some late to make it look a little better, but 45-17, it's still ugly. When you talk about Zach Wilson versus Mike White, that's kind of the conversation coming up for next week. Going into this week, I was big into seeing Mike White play against the Bills. To me, Zach Wilson's coming back from injury. This is a very tough game against the best defense in the league. He's learning stuff. He's picking up things by watching Josh Johnson and Joe Flacco and Mike White play quarterback. But to go in against the Bills, you don't get to use it as much because, you know, you don't get as much time to think back there. That's a great defense that is going to do stuff to you. They're going to dictate more of the game than you're going to dictate. So I didn't want to play him right away. Mike White, this was a perfect opportunity for him to go up against a great defense and see, is he just a backup quarterback who had a good game against a Bengals defense that didn't really know how to play against him and didn't adapt? Or is he a guy who's about to light the league up and actually puts up good numbers and a good performance against the Buffalo Bills? I think we learned a lot from Mike White in this performance in that he is truly a backup quarterback. He has ability. You know, I previously coming into the season thought that Mike White was not a backup quarterback caliber player. He should probably not be in the NFL. But watching him play against the Bengals, he can get hot with accuracy. He can execute an offense. He's smart enough. He stands back there comfortably, confident. All that stuff is there. But when it comes to the actual arm strength, being able to move within the pocket, being able to do special things with his body, run, anything like that, it's not quite there. And those are the things that are holding him back primarily. He just doesn't have the God-given ability that a person like a Zach Wilson or even Sam Darnold has. So Mike White, to me, has proven that he is an adequate backup quarterback at the very least. He can play backup quarterback. Maybe he has more opportunity in the future. You know, we're not going to put everything on the first game. We're not going to put everything on this Buffalo Bills game either. He's somewhere in between. But that likely isn't the future of the Jets. That's not what's going to bring them to the promised land. Zach Wilson is the guy for that, in my opinion. Zach Wilson still very well could end up being a bust. I don't want to say that word, but it's possible. He may have struggles still when he comes back. But against the Dolphins, I think he's got a better opportunity. It's one of the easier games the Jets have played all season. It's actually the team with the worst record of any team that we've played. It's a home game, 1 p.m., everything comfortable. He's had enough time to watch. I think this is a perfect game to bring him back. Plus, it's sushi week. You just sit back, have a little sushi with roommate Kyle. Dad, I think fiance Shannon's is going to go because it's sushi week. This will be a nice thing to watch him come out and hopefully show that he's learned a lot by watching Mike White execute the offense the way it's supposed to be run, but still being able to complete the downfield throws. If they want to go Mike White one more week, my dad has mentioned wanting to see Mike White against a worse team like the Dolphins. To me, even if Mike White plays well, he still has that ceiling to him that just doesn't get you that excited. Zach Wilson at this point, when he's healthy and ready to go, I think we've seen we've got a competent backup. It's Zach Wilson's time to shine and take this thing. 
Time to start learning, growing, learn on the job, get better, win some games, gain some confidence, and become, hopefully, one day, the franchise quarterback of the Jets. So I would say Zach White over Mike White for the rest of the year, barring injury or any sort of like horrible play by Zach Wilson where you're just like, listen, we got to get something going. Then you may have to bench him again because you do have a guy there in Mike White that could potentially play. So other than that, I thought that this was a horribly officiated game. Thought it was one of the worst officiated. It wouldn't have made a difference. The Jets lose 17 to 45, but just bad, bad penalties called. Felt very one-sided, biased, of course, but it still was uh, leaning very much in the Bills' favor. That's always annoying. You're, you're angry enough watching the Jets lose, frustrated with the product, and now you got to get frustrated with the refs. You know, sometimes it's nice to throw your anger there, but still frustrating. When we talk about the injuries on the Jets, the first one that comes to mind, Makai Becton. What is going on with this guy? Reports are coming out that he's still weeks away from practicing. What the hell are we talking about here? He's played in, what, one game so far? He's already missed eight. We've got eight games left in the entire season. If he's weeks away from practicing, so what? He hits the field for the last four games, three games maybe? I mean, geez, at this point, we're not looking to see Makai Becton play for most of the season. We're hoping to get him back fully healthy by the end of the year, get him back into football form get him a little bit of continuity and cohesion with Elijah Vera Tucker, who's now, by the end of this season, will have probably played more games than Mekhi Becton in his career. I mean, Elijah Vera Tucker's going to be, you know, the veteran teaching Mekhi Becton what to do, especially within this offense, this wide zone scheme the Jets are running. Elijah Vera Tucker's doing very well. I'd like to see Mekhi Becton next to him, but what's going on? I was very confident in Mekhi Becton with the way he played last year. Injuries were a concern. I thought Gase made some questionable questionable decisions, putting him into the game at points when he was injured, maybe prolonged those injuries. But then coming back this year, getting injured for this long again, I mean, I still think that he could be an incredible player, an all-pro level left tackle, but there's a lot of reason to worry right now because he's not playing. And you're not getting better if you're not playing. You're getting more out of shape. You're getting older. You're getting more banged up. So we'll see what uh, what happens. But we're going we're gonna to monitor that as – the doctors and coaching staff and everything give updates. Denzel Mims didn't play in this game. He's on the COVID list. It didn't look like anybody else got COVID, so that was good. It was a uh, isolated incident. Zach Wilson didn't play in this game. We had Joe Flacco as the backup. Marcus May out for the year with an Achilles. Tyler Croft, he said, was on IR. So those guys were not in this Buffalo game. Back in action this week were Braden Mann. Nice to see him. He had a leg brace on the other leg. And Tevin Coleman to complete the running back room, get LaMichael Piran out of there. We moved up Kenny Yaboa onto the active roster as well as Hamilcar Rashad, Ronnie Blair for the first time, who actually played like 50% of snaps. Nick Bauden, a fullback, was brought on, and Joe Flacco was moved up. We also had a few new injuries in this game. Brandon Eccles, he had a thigh injury. He was moved to IR today, so I'm not sure how long he's going to be out. At least three weeks, though. Maybe we'll be seeing Jason Pinnock moving forward, who was another rookie drafted in the late rounds of this year's draft with Brandon Eccles. I always liked Pinnock because he had nice size but uh, perhaps he doesn't have the speed to cover in the zone the way Brandon Eccles does. We'll see if Pinnock gets an opportunity. Uh, Bryce Hall was also banged up and left this game. Isaiah Dunn came in for him. They didn't move Bryce Hall to IR. I don't have much information on his injury, but hopefully he's all right because he is the most important defensive back that we have out there. I mean, at this point, without Brandon Eccles and without Marcus May, you're playing with like Jared Wilson, Ashton Davis, maybe Jason Pinnock, one of these new young guys, Justin Hardy playing cornerback. I don't know. Javelin Gidry played a few snaps at outside cornerback last week against Stefan Diggs and got exposed pretty quickly, so probably not a guy you'd like to see out there too, too much unless uh, the matchup dictates otherwise. 
Other transactions, the Jets signed a new cornerback to the active roster named Rashad Wild Goose. He is a guy that was drafted, I believe it was this year, by the Buffalo Bills. And we'll see. I mean, he's a uh, supposed to be a pretty good press cornerback, but after that, not so good, not good at moving his hips, not good at turning in transition, doesn't have a ton of makeup speed. He's just kind of a gritty press guy that maybe would do better in a zone-type defense, which I imagine is why the Jets brought him in. But he was uh, signed to the active roster, and they moved Noah Dawkins down to the practice squad. He's one of the linebackers that was kind of working in that group. But now that you've got a healthy Gerard Davis, Quincy Williams was brought into the mix, and you got a healthy Hamza Nasruddin, you can move Noah Dawkins down. They also signed to the practice squad Corey Thompson, a linebacker, and wide receiver Keelan Doss. So that is what we got for transactions for the New York Jets. Um, all sorts of stuff going on there. We're going to talk about the game specifically now, the Jets-Bills game as much as we don't want to. But before we do that, we do have to hear my dad's takes in his father time this week. So this is this week's father time written by my dad, David Burnham. It is titled Midseason State of the Jets. Here we go. So where are the Jets? Are they better, improved, ready to take the next step? These steps forward are small, sometimes painfully small, but make no mistake the Jets are moving forward. The offensive line is a much more cohesive unit this year. George Fant turns out to be a better left tackle than right, but he isn't the run blocker we need, like Mackay. In any regard, the line is improved, and the addition of a good right guard will make it even better. The running game is much better with Michael Carter. I'm a bigger and bigger fan every week. Plus, Ty Johnson is good relief and much more confident this season. This run game is much improved over Hall of Famer Frank Gore. The receivers are better, too. Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, and Elijah Moore are better and Tyler Croft can block, get open, and score touchdowns. So on offense, the wins look to be in the hands of the quarterback. When it finally happens, the offense will click, the offense will balance, and it'll become more dynamic, and we're going to score much more. Then the defense. There hasn't been an investment in defensive players behind our defensive line, and it shows. With Marcus May out, our highest pick in the secondary is Ashton Davis, drafted in the third round, and all starting cornerbacks are fifth and sixth rounders. I don't expect big improvements on defense until some holes are filled but I expect them to be filled soon. Sundays can be difficult, but make no mistake, there are some very good players to build upon. So, with some improved quarterback play, new key defensive additions, the Jets will start to make leaps forward. Remember, keep the faith, root for our team, win the matchup, win the play, and win the game. Dare any team to take the 2021 Jets lightly. That's what Tennessee and Cincinnati did. This week should be a good one. Go Jets. End scene. So, wow, this was a really good father time. It was very optimistic. It was kind of showing, uh, yeah, that it's an evaluation year. Touched on a lot of different things. Offensively, he's right. The wide receiver room is better. The offensive line, definitely getting better. It's starting to get a little bit more chemistry there. They look better. Running game, Michael Carter. How could you not be a fan of this guy? He's looking great. The one thing on offense that you see, tight end needs to be replaced. Right guard needs to be replaced. Maybe some backup guys. And then the quarterback play needs to be better. Then defensively, he's absolutely right. It's ugly. There's nobody that's a high draft pick playing in that secondary. Not that many around the entire defense. But the Jets have a bunch of holes to fill. They focus on offense this year to make it easier on the quarterback. We all liked it when it happened. We knew the defense was going to be bad. I said when it came into the season, like, I was expecting shootouts. The Jets' offense is going to be so much better, but that defense is going to be a mess. And the defense is a mess. They have had some good games behind C.J. Mosley and some other players, but Overall, it's not a finished product. It's barely even begun. The Jets have the draft capital and the finances to make it better. 
So he's right. When they start putting people on that side of the ball, they actually invest in it. And the people that they do invest in, like a Carl Lawson or Marcus May, are playing. It's going to look a little bit better. So he's right. There are big leaps forward coming. And we've shown the league already. We beat Cincinnati Bengals when they were the top-rated team in the AFC. We beat the Titans when they were in the same spot. And I think they still are currently. So this Jets team can beat good teams. Absolutely. They can also get blown out by basically anybody. But don't take the Jets too lightly because they got players, they got some horses, they got some fight and some punch. And as Robert Sala always says, and we know to be true, when you play a bunch of young guys like that, they're going to be ugly weeks. But there's going to be weeks when you see that fight, that spark, that energy. And I don't know how many more times the Jets are going to hit that this year. I'm hoping a bunch. That's what we're going to watch, wait, and find out and see. So great father time, Dad. I appreciate it. Before we move on to the next segment, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We're going to talk about the Jets' loss to the Bills, 17-45, to as I've been doing recently in these blowout losses. Kind of want to breeze through it. We're going to do offensive, defensive, and special teams player of the game. But make no mistake, I didn't feel comfortable picking any one of them. The offense was not good enough, and on defense, the players that did make big plays also made mistakes, so it was hard to just point to a guy and say, in that 45-point blowout, this guy did a great job. Uh, unfortunately, this whole game overall was ugly for everything. Uh, the Jets were beaten, obviously, statistically by a lot. They had a few less first downs, had a bunch less yards. They gave up 489 total yards to the Bills and 9.1 yards per play. The Jets were getting 5 yards per play, to put it into perspective. The Bills were getting 9. Passing yards, 350 for the Bills, 139 rushing yards. They're rushing for 5.8 yards per attempt as the Jets are going for 3.2. The penalties in this game, the Jets have 9 or 69 total yards. And then turnovers, the Jets actually do force two turnovers this week, but it comes in the same week that they commit five. So a minus three turnover differential. By the end of this thing, the Jets had more time of possession of 32 minutes to the Bills 27. But, you know, the Jets, they were outplayed. The Bills were scoring quickly. The Jets had some longer drives running the ball and passing the ball three yards downfield as the Bills were moving it very quickly at times. So, overall, very bad statistical game from the Jets. They were only sacked one, so I guess that's a good thing to see. They got to Josh Allen two times. I think you would have liked to see more pressure from the Jets' defense to make him uncomfortable. But, of course, we don't really have the horses to keep up with a Josh Allen passing to Stephon Diggs. We don't have the cornerback to cover. We don't have the defensive lineman to close quick enough. Josh Allen's good. This is a good team. The Bills are 6-3 and three now. I think in reality, the Bills are better than their record shows. They are one of the best teams in the AFC. They will be absolutely competing in the playoffs and trying to go for a Super Bowl this year. It's one of the best teams we've played all year. So I wasn't expecting a good game. My prediction was 10 to 30. The Jets scored another touchdown. They gave up another two touchdowns. So, you know, I'm never going to predict 45 points scored against the Jets. But if any team can do it, yeah, the Bills absolutely can. And if any team can stifle an offense, the Bills can do it. What can you do? When you move over to the player stats, let's talk about the offense and start with quarterback Mike White. He struggled horribly. He had 
an awful game. He's our doghouse player of the game. And you don't want to put him there because a couple of weeks ago, you would have expected a, a performance like this. But everybody builds it up and it's Mike White and it's his time. Maybe Zach Wilson is back or about to be back, but we're competing. Like, well, Mike White maybe is the smart answer to put at quarterback. Maybe it should be Mike White's team. All right, well, if you want that responsibility, you want to take it on your shoulders, say that you should be the first overall pick in the draft, play quarterback against the Bills, don't go out there, throw no touchdowns, four interceptions on 24 for 44 throwing. Get the ball downfield, find open guys, don't force it in there. Mike White, he was off. It wasn't the same game that we saw against the Bengals. We shouldn't have expected it, but it was a little bit more uh, of the Mike White that you would have expected when the year began. So he is our doghouse player of the game. I'm ready to go back to Zach. I hope we don't see much more Mike White this year. I think he got some good experience. He got some valuable moments. He made it into Canton at one point, but it's Zach time now, in my opinion. The Jets have yet to make a formal decision on who will start at quarterback against the Dolphins this week, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it went through and I didn't see, but that's what I know. Talk about running back. You got to give player of the game to Michael Carter because while his rushing was extremely inefficient at 2.2 yards per attempt, and a few of that's because some backfield stops on him, he did also get very involved in the run game, in the pass catching game, caught a few balls there, ended up with 82 total scrimmage yards. He got one of the two touchdowns the Jets scored. They actually didn't count the first one that he got. He ran it again, got that one clearly. But he's a consistent guy in the team. When you look around the rest of the offense, there's nobody that was consistent throughout the game except for Michael Carter, who was involved in the first drive to the last drive and is becoming one of the Jets' very best players on the entire roster. A really nice pickup for Joe Douglas in last year's draft class. A nice surprise. How can you not love Michael Carter? He's player of the game. Tevin Coleman had a few nice runs. Ty Johnson had a few nice receptions. And that was the running game. Overall, not a great job by the offensive line, giving up 3.2 yards per carry or allowing 3.2 yards per carry for the Jets, only 70 rushing yards. You'd be happy with the one sack that they allowed. Mike White only went down one time. Joe Flacco and his six snaps didn't go down at all. But the offensive line had some penalties in this one and not enough running room. The Jets would need more than that to go up against the Buffalo Bills and compete more than they did. So didn't get it there. We had a fullback play in this game, Nick Bauden, who was moved on to the active roster. He played two snaps. So, you know, obviously the Trevon Wesco experience has been not so good since we drafted him. He doesn't really fit at fullback. He doesn't really fit at tight end. He's not a very good player. He is not baby Gronk as he was, you know, <laughs> supposed to be when we drafted him, as people were saying. They bring up this Nick Bauden guy. We'll see if he gets more active moving forward. But if you see that name out there, that's who it is, a guy trying to play fullback. In the wide receiver game, Corey Davis had a pretty good game. He had 93 yards on five catches, so in one respect, like that's a good game. But he had a horrible fumble before the half that the Jets were trying to get the ball downfield. It was like a 25-yard pass to him, and he got past the target field goal line for Matt Amendola, who already had made a 48-yarder in this game. And he fumbled the ball away, a really ugly fumble, and uh, the Jets weren't able to recover it. So that was a bad turnover. It cost the Jets points specifically, so he can't be player of the game. Um, other than that, it is nice to have him back. I don't think that he's going to fumble like that all that often. It's going to happen here and there. But he was, you know, the main yardage guy for the Jets in the past game. So he still does have a, a lot to bring to this offense. Elijah Moore is the guy that's been really hot recently, especially with Corey Davis out. He was super quiet in the first half of this game. He did get six targets, which is the second most running wide receiver on this team behind only Corey Davis and tied with Jamison Crowder. He only had three catches. 44 yards, did get that late touchdown pass from Joe Flacco. Good to see him getting back at the end zone again. 
I think his confidence is building. I think that he's proving that he is a NFL starting caliber player. He's not a star yet. He's not everything he was built up to be like some superstar game-changing playmaker. He's not Debo Samuel or early on Odell Beckham Jr. But what he is is a competent player who's getting better and better every single week, has some shiftiness, and I think this is just the very beginning. I think that uh, he's got a lot of untapped potential. We're going to see more as the year goes on. We just have to keep getting the ball in his hands. But as you've seen in this offense, it's becoming easier and easier to get it to him as the year's gone on. Jameson Crowder, three catches for 20 yards, almost had a nice catch on the sideline. They didn't... Uh, they didn't hold the call up on the field. Braxton Barrios had a few catches. Keelan Cole had uh, that trick play the Jets have been running where they pitch it over to the running back. The running back passes it back to the quarterback, and then they throw to a guy doing a crosser over the field. Keelan Cole caught that ball for 18 yards. That was his only catch. Ryan Griffin had a 21-yard catch. The receiving game, you know, Mike White in this game put up 251 yards. Joe Flacco put up 47. So together you've got 296 passing yards. But when it's all said and done, the Jets' passing game was not very good in this game. When you watch it, it's hard to even find 300 passing yards for the Jets. They were turning the ball over so frequently. It's just that they got so many possessions. They actually had more time of possession than the Bills because the Bills kept scoring so quick. The Jets had opportunities. So maybe you have, you know, 75 10-play drives and you get 750 yards. Yeah, that's possible. But, uh, you know, it's not a way to have prolonged success in the NFL. And I'm not going to give too much credit to any of the guys that picked up yards in this game because the counting stat that didn't matter in a blowout. That's kind of what I got for the offense. Um, don't want to go into too much more depth there. Uh, we'll touch on the tight ends real quick. Griffin didn't have a great game. Wesco only played 10% of the snaps, so we played some snaps without a tight end in this game, which is not something the Jets have done very often this year. Yoboa got no snaps still, even though he was moved to the active roster. He has yet to see a snap in the NFL on offense. So we look forward to that opportunity and hope that he is an offensive playmaker that can at least provide a little bit of spark to that tight end room. All right, so let's move over to the defense, which has been historically bad. Giving up 45 points again after giving up 45 points on primetime TV, 31 points to the Bengals, 51 points to the Patriots, you name it. It's been ugly for the last few weeks, and the Jets had another horrible game. The defensive line gave up 139 rushing yards, 5.8 yards per attempt. We had five quarterback hits, two sacks in this game. One came from a safety blitz that Josh Allen just didn't see coming, frankly. That was Jared Wilson. Nice play by him there. But the linebacker group was really quiet. It was tough for them to get going without defensive line pressure. Josh Allen was comfortable back there. He didn't even really have to run. In this game, Josh Allen only ran the ball two times for three yards. I mean, you'd think that he would be active doing it, but he didn't need to. He needed to risk getting hit. He was comfortable standing back in the pocket, comfortable delivering the ball, and he ended up throwing the ball 21 for 28, so 75% completion percentage against the Jets. He had 125 quarterback rating. Everybody was struggling. The defensive line is the first unit that you need to get after the quarterback to make him uncomfortable, to kind of set up the rest of the defense, because this zone defense is difficult to cover for four seconds because there are obvious soft spots within the zone that people like to hit. And if you can't get pressure on the quarterback... They find time to find those zones. Josh Allen did. He wasn't afraid to throw the ball downfield. Threw for 366 total yards. So obviously poor quarter, uh, cornerback play. You had 162 yards given up to Stephon Diggs on eight receptions. You had Ga- Gabriel Davis had 105 yards himself. A couple catches for Cole Beasley. A couple catches for Emmanuel Sanders. But 366 passing yards. The defensive backs did not play well. The safeties, this was an area of concern for me because I've not been very high on Ashton Davis at all this year. 
He had kind of a sloppy game again, but did make up for it with a nice uh, forced fumble play. The Jets did recover on a Michael Carter scoop. So that was good. It was finally a turnover for the Jets. They also uh, were playing Jared Wilson, who probably shouldn't be playing. I mean, he's behind a guy like LaMarcus Joyner and Marcus May. We already cut Sheldrick Redwine and Adrian Colbert. So this is like our seventh uh, safety try back there. He made a nice sack. He had a couple other solid plays, but when he was in coverage, he's just not fast enough to keep up with receivers. The guy's going down the field. He can't do what Marcus May could do. Sometimes you take for granted what Marcus May brought to the team because he wasn't making splash plays. He wasn't very flashy. He's not very good within the box, doesn't tackle all that well, but he's fast. He's got good makeup speed. He keeps the top covered on the defense, doesn't let guys go over top. He knows where to be. He understands the defense and can make call-outs for everybody else. They looked a little bit lost at safety out there. Jared Wilson got like 70% of the snaps. They brought in Sherrod Neesman, a guy who I actually like over Gerard Wilson. Gerard Neesman played 27% of snaps, and within that time, he actually picked up the Jets' first interception of a defensive back this year on a nice tipped pass. So for me in this game, the player of the game on defense is going to go to Sherrod Neesman. And it's not because he had an amazing game. Frankly, nobody in the defense did have a good game. But Sherrod Neesman's a guy who hasn't gotten a ton of opportunity within this team. He's been overlooked. He was injured early on. But then you've played other guys ahead of him. You see them struggle, and then he comes in for just 27% of snaps, and he makes a big play like that. With Marcus May out for the year, he's got to be fighting for this job. You know, you can't just give it to Gerard Wilson and say, oh, he's definitely the locked-in safety next to Ashton Davis. Like, give me a break. Both of those guys could be replaced. You know, Sherrod Neesman's no spring chicken. This guy's been around the league a little bit. He comes in, makes a nice play like that. I think he's got to keep fighting to try to earn time, keep playing well, and that position group needs it. So, player of the game, Sherrod Neesman, great interception. Nice to see an interception on the team from a guy other than a defensive lineman. Shaq Lawson had the only one, which was a huge one, a game-winning interception against Joe Burrow. But nice to see the defensive backfield get involved in that category. So, overall... Bad defense, not so good. 45 points given up to the division rival Buffalo Bills playing at home, MetLife Stadium. Ugh, you know what we need? We need a drink. That means another edition of What's On Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's On Tap. And I did. I need a drink. I'm coming home in the pitch black from work, and I got to talk about a Jets loss 17-45 to in a 2-7 and season where really all we're doing is evaluating players yet again. I'm going to pour myself something nice, something strong. This is Basil Hayden's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This is an old standby classic whiskey. It's not like the single barrel or anything rye aged like that. It's just the classic Basil Hayden's. It's in a handle bottle given to me by my sister for watching her lovely children a few, I don't know, maybe it was a month or two back. It's 40% alcohol, and it's just a classic bourbon. It's got a little bit of bite, a little bit of alcohol, boozy taste to it, but it's smooth enough, nice caramel, not too sweet. It's kind of my style of bourbon. And to go with that, I've got a couple of, a little dish of Spanish olives, green olives filled with minced pimento, which is like a little uh, not sweet or not spicy red pepper. So whiskey and green olives, what could be better on a Tuesday night? Anyways, the Basil Hayden's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, the olives, that's what's on tap, that's what's on snack. You got it, folks. Now we are going to move over to the special teams and then talk about the upcoming matchup against the Dolphins. But before we do, we do have to take a quick commercial break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, and welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. We're going to finish up this Buffalo Bills-New York Jets game once and for all. Bury this thing deep down within our memory. Hopefully forget it entirely. Close out the special teams. Braden Mann is back. He had uh, he didn't have any of those bomb punts. I'm not too worried about him bombing the ball. He was great at that last year. A little inconsistent. But the one thing I wanted to see from him was more kicks inside the 10-yard line. Maybe some within the 5. You know, game-changing, field position, Brutal kicks that really kill the other team. And uh, he only played in the first game, got injured. Man, Amendola filled in. We haven't seen him since. So Thomas Morissette has since been cut. Braden Mann is back. And in this game, he had a beautiful punt inside the five-yard line on one of his very few punts in this game. I was very pleased to see that. So good to see a little touch from Braden Mann, who looks to be healthy again. We had a hold on almost every single kick return. So there were some good kick returns by Tevin Coleman, but... There were holds, like I said, on almost every single one. Punt return game, we only had one from Braxton Berrios. He was one of the guys that had a hold on a kick return, so he's not getting player of the game. It's going to go to Matt Amendola. And in this game, he was only one for one, but it was a 48-yard kick. He made it look very easy. It was a nice one. He was two for two on extra points. But in reality, I don't give a lot of Matt, a lot of credit to Matt Amendola. The Jets don't score a ton. They don't kick a ton of field goals. They don't have a ton of opportunities to kick field goals. But he has now made four field goals in a row, dating back three games to the Bengals game. He missed the first one in that game, made the next two. He made all of his kicks against the Colts. It was only one. He made his kick against the Bills. It's time for me to start giving Matt Amendola a little bit more credit because when it's all said and done, we're halfway through the season here, and he's kicking, I believe, over 80% right now, right, or 76.9%. So he's almost at 80%. He's working his way back up. He's 92% in extra points, making most of those, and they say he's got a cannon of a leg. If you've got a cannon leg and have opportunities to kick from 55, 56, 57, keep a team in it that way, and you can kick 80% from just close shots, chip shots, and all that, that's what you're looking for in a kicker. He may be able to get there. He had a good game this game. Perfection is what we want to see from him. Don't give us a reason to hate you. Give us reasons to love you. Matt Amendola is our special teams player of the game. So that's all I got. We're going to put a, a bow, wrap it up, ship it down the river, this entire game against the Bills. We're going to move on to everything else. We're going to touch base with the AFC East real quick. Uh, the Bills beat the Jets, right? So they're 6-3 and three now. Their next game is against the Colts, 1 p.m. on Sunday. The Dolphins beat the Ravens, 22-10. to 10. That was a shocker on Thursday Night Football. They're now 3-7, and seven, a game ahead of the Jets, and their next game is against the Jets at MetLife Stadium, Sunday at 1 p.m. The Patriots... They beat the Browns 45-7, to another shocker. So every team in the AFC East wins. The Patriots are now 6-4, and four, which is half a game behind the Buffalo Bills. All of a sudden, they're now competing for the AFC East. They are a machine right now, getting better and better every single week, getting confident. And that's the last thing you want for the Patriots is confidence, especially for a quarterback like Mac Jones, who just plays, you know, a better version of like what Mike White does, just plays within a system and executes the offense. When they start getting confidence and they're doing it comfortably and the play calls are coming in smoothly and they're just re- dangerous. We don't want to see the Patriots doing well. Their next game, Thursday night football against the Falcons. 
while you'd say to yourself, well, Thursday Night Football uh, against the Falcons, it sounds like an easy win for the Patriots, right? The Falcons aren't so good, even though they beat the Jets pretty bad. The Falcons aren't a great team, but Thursday Night Football has been weird. We just watched the Dolphins beat the Ravens, so it's possible on a weird Thursday night, short week, nighttime game, primetime, the Falcons hoping for them to pull it off. Matt Ryan's a veteran quarterback. Come on, hold us down here. Beat the Patriots. Some draft nuggets, the Jets being as bad as they are, they would pick third in the draft if the season ended today. The Seahawks lost to Green Bay this week. They would pick seventh overall. The Jets have that pick, so we'd potentially have third and seventh in this draft. The Panthers, they did beat Carolina, playing with P.J. Walker now that Sam Darnold's injured. And then when P.J. Walker was out of the game late, Cam Newton came in. He scored a little bit. So as we, we continue watching the Panthers because we have their second and fourth round pick for next year, we're going to be watching Cam Newton come over in that team, and while it's kind of an exciting story for the NFL to see Cam Newton there doing that, we still have to continue to root against the Panthers because the worse they do, the better the Jets' two picks, second and fourth round, are. So we're going to do a quick Dolphins preview. And I just want to say there's been a lot of negativity from myself, from a lot of people, the media, around the Jets. They're 2-7 and seven season. They're historically bad defense. They're struggle at quarterback. They're struggle to find any sort of continuity or consistency. But there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this season still. Obviously, we have a young team. We're evaluating a lot of young players, and there's a lot of good ones out there. Elijah Moore, Elijah Vera Tucker, Michael Carter, Michael Carter too. There's a lot of really good young players playing for the Jets that are worth evaluating and are fun to evaluate. They're going to make the Jets good for a long time. They continue to sort of play. But on top of that, the Jets' schedule gets so much easier from here on out. So far through the games they've played in their nine games, there's only been one team under 500, and that's... The Falcons, the four and five Falcons, they're one game under 500. It's the only team that's under 500 the Jets have played, and it was a weird game for a young team traveling to England, totally different time zone. Everything strange playing a morning game, at least morning here. I don't know what time it was over there. So that's like, okay, been a really, really tough first half of the season. Five of the next six games, the teams are under 50% winning percentage. You've got teams like the Jaguars, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Texans. Some really easy, the Dolphins again. Some really easy games in there. So when you see how difficult the beginning of the season was and you see how much easier it comes moving forward, I don't think the Jets are going to win, you know, five of those six games. But is it possible they could win two? Yeah, I think so. Maybe even three. I think that the Jets could get going, especially with Zach Wilson coming back. Hopefully he's learned something. But there's reasons to be excited for what's to come for the Jets within that schedule. I think overall it's kind of upsetting the way the schedule was made because you have it so front-loaded with good teams that the Jets are 2-7 and seven now. At this point, even if they do win four of the next six games and they end up with a record of 6-9, and nine, you're still not going to be too excited because the season's hopes were basically killed this week against Buffalo, maybe last week against the Colts. There's not a lot of reason to hope for playoffs. We're not in the hunt, nothing like that. So even if they win and go on a tear, the record's not going to be there. Whereas if you started with the easier portion of the schedule, say you went 4-2 and two there and your team starts 4-2, and two, you at least can have some reason to be excited early on in the season. They break your heart later rather than just a numb season of watching bad football and being like, well, here we go again. Oh, look, they won a game. Who cares? Just ruining draft stock. It's going to get to a point this year where people are going to be talking more about the draft than the Jets winning. And that's the point of the season I don't want to get to. I will always root for the Jets to win. I don't care. I frankly just don't care. I want to win every game. Who cares about the draft pick? We've had so many 
third overall, fifth overall, sixth overall draft picks, and they do nothing for us. You know what does do something for us? Winning on a Sunday. Oh, what a nice feeling, winning on a Sunday. Give me that any day of the week. But the Jets' first easy game, or easier game, is up against the division rival Miami Dolphins, who are now 3-7, and seven, one game ahead of the Jets within that AFC East. We are playing this game at MetLife Stadium. The Dolphins are not a very good team overall. To be honest, their offense, they're getting 17.7 average points per game. Two is playing this week, getting like 210 yards a game. He's got seven touchdowns and five picks in six games, an 87 quarterback rating. So he's kind of a game manager, doesn't get a ton going through the air, not flashy, doesn't put up gaudy numbers, but he has been consistently doing a decent job. 87 quarterback rating, it's nothing to laugh at. It's a solid season. We don't know what they're going to do moving forward. The play that he has for the rest of the year is going to do a lot to determine what the Dolphins do moving forward. But their biggest receiving threats on the team are rookie Jalen Waddell, a pretty good athletic tight end, Mike Gesicki, and Devontae Parker. They are the three best receiving threats there. They don't have a good rushing game, really. It's Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. They've together combined for one touchdown, 450 rushing yards, 3.6 yards per carry. It's not a great group. The Jets running backs are better than that. But you really have to get after Tua, make him uncomfortable. Dolphins have been sacked 27 times so far this year through 10 games. That's 2.7 times per game, which is a little bit more than average. You would expect a team to get about 40 would be the number that I always use to look for. You'd like to have 40 sacks on defense and 40 sacks or less on giving up on offense. The Dolphins would be on pace for 43 sacks in a 16-game season. Of course, that number changes now that it's a 17-game season, so it's probably like 42 or 42 and a half. But the Dolphins are on pace for a little bit more than the league average, and the Jets have to get after them. They have to do a lot better than they did against the Bills to make Tua uncomfortable. they got to stop the run. This should be a much easier unit to stop. They will be without Brandon Eccles. They'll be trying somebody new at cornerback that probably will be in over their head a little bit. But if they can make Tua uncomfortable, stop the run, put them in a lot of third and longs and whatnot, the Jets will have opportunities to make plays. Moving over to the Dolphins' defensive side of the ball, they're giving up 25.2 points per game on defense. So they're scoring about 17.7, giving up about 25.2. Remind you, this is a 3-7, and seven, overall pretty bad football team. They're giving up over 400 yards per game and almost 110 rushing yards per game. I think this bodes pretty well for the Jets. Well, offensively, we do need to stop those wide receivers, and we're going to be a little shorthanded there. We have to make sure that two is not comfortable in the pocket, picking apart a soft zone, as the Jets have done. You don't worry as much about a guy like Tua doing it because he's young. He's still a little bit nervous and raw back there. It's the veterans that really pick apart those zones the best. But defensively, the Dolphins don't really have a ton of firepower there. they got the most in the secondary where they've got guys like Eric Rowe. They've got Xavier Howard. Byron Jones from UConn represent. Uh, they got a pretty good secondary overall. Obviously, Xavier Howard finds a way to pick off the Jets basically every single time we play them. I would expect... No less than one interception from Xavier Howard against the Jets this week. But the rest of their team, not super hot. They only got 21 sacks as a team, so they'd be under that 40 mark that you'd be looking for in a 16-game season. They're led by Emmanuel Agba, who's got five. Rookie Jalen Phillips, he's got two and a half, but not big sack numbers there. Uh, they got decent linebackers, Jerome Baker, Landon Roberts, Andrew Van Ginkle. Solid group there. But to give up rushing yards, which bodes well for Michael Carter, Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman, who are a pretty good unit. And if you're playing Mike White or Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco, if you want to beat a team like the Dolphins, you have to establish a run game. And the Jets can absolutely get it going. This offensive line has shown that they can get some 
cohesion going. Obviously, we haven't had a lot of 100-yard rushing games this season, but the Jets can have success rushing the football. This defense potentially will allow for that. 400 yards a game. Teams are doing well against the Dolphins. Teams are doing well against the Jets. It's two bad teams playing each other. Quarterbacks that are just learning. Defenses that are struggling here and there. Not getting after the quarterback quite enough. When it comes down to it, I think the Jets win this game because they surprise me a lot. And they've been playing so horribly recently. I think Robert Sala is having big meetings with the guys. I think he's making big speeches. I think these guys want to win. And personally... I think the Dolphins are coming into MetLife thinking that they're going to win this game. I think the Dolphins think they're a better team than the Jets, and I think that we're going to surprise them. So I would say the Jets win this game 24-19. to 24 is not a huge number to put up offensively. 19 points would be good defense for the Jets by far, considering what they've been doing recently. But I got a good feeling about this game. I have been wrong against the Dolphins many a time. I usually think we're going to beat the Dolphins for whatever reason. Maybe it's their uniforms. They look kind of soft. It makes me think that we could beat them up. But... Uh, I've been wrong many times in recent years. This is one I feel pretty good about. Jets are going to win this game, folks. They're going to show us something, and I'm hoping it's Zach Wilson. I think it is going to be him. I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to have his best game yet, having learned from sitting and watching the offense be executed. He's going to come out, light it up. Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, three big games from them. Probably going to get after Tua a little bit. Maybe have our best, flashiest defensive performance of the year and give the Jets a win against the division rival. So sorely needed. I'm looking forward to it. Sushi week. I'm going to be loaded up. I'll post some pics on Twitter, the big sushi spread we're doing for this game. And that's all I got for this one. Until next week, I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 